Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone in the United States. And good day, what is morning, afternoon, or evening to those around the world. I have a reach of over uh, 2 billion, that's what would be, people. Uh, it's going to take a miracle of the Holy Spirit of the Ruach HaKadosh to be able to accomplish that. However, I know that my program is for people who are thirsty, who and I'm talking about spiritually thirsty, that want to know the truth. And what is truth? The the Bible plainly reveals to you in John 17, verse 17, uh, when Jesus, or his Hebrew name Yeshua, was praying to God, he said, Thy word, his Father's word, is truth. That means the entire Bible is the truth. And in Psalm 119, verse 142, it states that, the truth is the law, and law is translated in Hebrew, Torah. That means the instructions and doctrines of, of God, which people struggle. I'm going to always uh, begin this program with this disclaimer. This program teaches that the law of Moses is the law of God and that it, it must be uh, obeyed to the best of our abilities. No, no, there's no difference between the two. Um, that has been a false teaching for many years. And if you're wondering what's in the law of Moses, uh, let's turn to First Kings, First Kings, chapter two, beginning in verses one to three. Actually, I'll, I'll quote verse three: it "says And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes and His commandments and His judgments and His testimonies." That is His as it is written in the law of Moses. Let me repeat. So what's in the law of Moses? Uh, right here in 1 Kings 2, verse 3, And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes. So his ways are in the law of Moses. His statutes are in the law of Moses. His commandments is in the law of Moses. His judgments are in the law of Moses. His testimonies are in the law of Moses. So that's what's in the law of Moses, ladies and gentlemen. And it's called the law of Moses because God gave him the law. It's not Moses' law. It's his law. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. 
Now, I don't know if you are familiar with this scripture, but the Messiah stated that he would send scribes in the New Testament era to uh, to help preach the truth. And uh, I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> turn to this scripture here to help you understand what I'm saying. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 34. He says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. <clears throat> now, what's a scribe? What's a scribe? The reason why I am talking about because we'll be able to tell whether the law of Moses is valid or not. <laughs> okay, based on this, this is another way of proving it. Uh, a scribe, according to Strong's Concordance, um, uh, the Greek is grammaios. It means a writer. So that's what I am. I'm a writer. And the word study dictionary states uh, such. says a scribe or writer. Such was in public service among the Greeks and acted as a reader of legal and state papers, hence a scholar. So a scribe is a, is a scholar, somebody who can write, can do thorough research. Uh, the king's scribe meant the secretary of state military clerk. All right, so now here's, here's, here's what I want you to understand. A scribe is skilled in the Mosaic or the Moses law or the law of Moses, Mosaic law. That's what I was trying to say, which is God's law. Uh, Ezra 7, verse 6, it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the, in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given him. So a scribe is someone who understands the law of Moses, which is the law of God. And your Messiah said that he would send scribes. So this is another way to understand that the law of Moses has not been nailed across, folks. So I want you to, to hopefully understand that. And Ezra 7, verse 11, Now this is the copy of the letter that the king, king gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe ascribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. That's another biblical definition of a scribe. And your Lord and Savior said he would send scribes. And he said, some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. And that's a prophecy because that's still being done today. Not in synagogues, but in assemblies or 501c3 church buildings and so forth. I mean, that, that's being done. Ezra 7, verse 21. Scribe of the law of the, uh, of the God of heaven. So, again, the law of Moses is the law of God. It's the same law, folks. It's nothing different from the two. And that has been an incorrect teaching for I don't know how long. Um, well, it's been a correct teaching for, for several years. Several years. And so I just wanted to, to get that out. And then here's another thing before I go into the Bible study today of Revelation chapter 18 and 19. Here's another thing that you need to understand. Let me turn to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. It says, For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. So your Bible says that the wick shall be stubble. The Hebrew word for stubble is kosh. It means it'll be as straw. 
and the day that comes shall burn them up. Burn them up. And people are still, I mean, they. some people believe that God will not totally destroy a human being. And yet I see other scriptures that indicate that he will. And I'm going to, I'm going to do an a extensive Bible study on this in the future uh, to show you the scriptures, many scriptures, that, that help us to understand what happens to you after you died. All The scriptures are there, but one thing I can't do is, is, is force you to believe, in, and I'm not going to force you to believe the scriptures, but there, there's quite a few scriptures that, that prove that, that the people that refuse to obey God after they are given the opportunity to understand his truth uh, and they do the best they can to to um, to do right or choose right bait or wrong based on what they already know God is if it's judged that you're wicked he's going to destroy you he even said he would destroy the demons and I, I'm going to also show you scriptural proof of that in a future program but anyway it says right here, all that do wickedly shall be stubble or straw, and the day that comes shall burn them up, burn the straw up. Now, when you burn straw up, is there anything left? No, says the Lord, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, roots, when you pull a plant from the soil, is it going to live? No. All right, so let, let's. It means what it says here, folks. Malachi 4, verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as cows of the stall. Verse 3. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes. Ashes. Not living forever, but ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Now, no people in it. In Revelation chapter 20, it says their smoke shall rise forever and ever. But nowhere does it say, and it says they'll have no rest day and night. Well, if you're dead, how can you have rest? You don't exist. All right? So um, I'm going to do some further Bible studies on defining biblically what outer darkness means, what weeping and gnashing of teeth means. The Bible interprets itself. You can get these definitions from the Bible. All right? So I, I will do future Bible studies explaining that, but right now this Bible study, of course, is about Revelation 18 and 19, but I, I want to get to my point here in, in Malachi 4, verse 4, where it says, Remember ye the Torah of Moses, or law, my servant. Now, this is an end-time prophecy in the context of fire, from the, the, the lake of fire, and, and leave them neither root nor branch, like straw. All right, so this is in that context, and he's telling you in verse 4, Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Hor for all of Israel with the statutes and judgments. So, again, this is in the context of the... So if, if the, the law of Moses, which is the law of God, was totally irrelevant, why would, he, why would the, the, the prophet Malachi include that in the context of the lake of fire, folks? Think about that, all right? Malachi 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Eliahu or Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers that night I come and smite the earth with a curse. And 
this Elijah or those coming in the spirit of Elijah will restore the true understanding of the Bible along with helping people understand they need to care about each other and build families. spirit of Elijah is prophesied to do in these end times. And so I hope I've explained to you what the law of Moses is. Again, I'm going to do this before I begin the program because I know some people are listening to me for the first time. And you need to know the truth about the law of Moses, which is the law of God. And if you study Nehemiah chapter 8, you can see that. It talks about the law of Moses, then it says the law of God, the law of Moses, they're the same. They're not two separate entities. And the reason why God calls it the law of Moses is because he gave Moses the law. All right? That's as plain and simple as that. And if, if it's, it's, it's just a matter of just believing what the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen. You have to believe what the Bible says and don't believe any preacher that's preaching to you incorrectly about that. And, and if... Uh, you don't understand that, then I, I, I really suggest that you um, pray to God to give you the understanding. So that's all I can say about that. Right here in Second Chronicles 33, verse 8, I was just trying to find a scripture to help shed light on what I'm talking about. I said, neither will I anymore remove the foot of Israel from out of the, the land which I have appointed for your father, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinance by the hand of Moses. So he just, again, just used Moses to give his law. It's the reason why it's called the law of Moses. And then Second Chronicles 34, verse 14, and when they brought up out the money that was brought into the house of the of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. <laughs> there we go. Second Chronicles 34, verse 14. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And in Ezra 3, verse 2, Then stood up Jeshua the son of Josadak and his brethren the priest and Zerubbabel the son of Shittio and his brethren, and builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings therein, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And so, it's, don't don't mix the two up. Nehemiah chapter eight verse fourteen, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses. So he just used Moses to give the law. In Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29, they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses. That is a clear, clear scripture, ladies and gentlemen. Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29, they clave to their brethren and nobles and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's Torah, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, that's the law of Moses, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our, our Lord and his judgments and statutes. So it, it, this is proved, folks, um, by looking into your Bible. And what I suggest you do for those who are novices of the Bible, even for those who have studied the Bible for 
for years, if you don't have a computer program called eSword, E-S-W-O-R-D, I suggest you go to his website and download his free software program so that you can start um, doing Bible study, improving the things that I say and other people say to yourself. Be a Berean. And when you can look up the phrase Law of Moses or look, just type in Law of Moses and it has a function here, search for all of the words, it makes Bible study a lot more easier. And, and, and you could get to the point of trying to understand what the Law of Moses is by doing that. I'm going to also get some future programs explaining that the the, the Law of Moses is not nailed to the cross. Uh, there's various scriptures that have been butchered for years um, that gives people the impression that Paul preached that uh, we're under grace, and many people don't know what grace means. Uh, I'll just tell you what grace means here real quickly, scripturally. In Titus, um, let's turn to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Here's the definition of grace, folks, the Bible definition, verse 12. Teaching us that, this is what grace does, grace teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Okay? So grace teaches us that we should live righteously. And righteousness, according to the Bible, in Psalm 119, verse 172, is all of God's commandments. That's how we live righteously. And so grace gives us the power and the will to live righteously. It doesn't cover our sin, so... We don't have to worry about sin anymore and, and so forth. I mean, it, it doesn't do that. Um, as I was teaching um, yesterday during the local assembly here that I go to every Sabbath or Shabbat, 9 verse 14 plainly states the following. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Elohim, purge your mind or conscious from dead works, dead works, to serve the living God. So the blood of Christ, sure, it, it purges, it gets rid of your sins, particularly the sin that would cause eternal death, not living again. However, it also sparks, gives you the power to serve the living God by not doing dead works, but what's the antithesis of dead? The opposite is alive works. And this entire Bible shows you which works that he wants you to do. And so it, it, it does have something to do with deeds, folks. Uh, if you read John 3, verse 16, uh, one of the most famous uh, verses quoted of all time, if you read the rest of that, you can tell that deeds has something to do with this whole thing. Let's turn to John 3, verse 16. And this program may go a little over today. Uh, the Lord does lead me to talk about some topics. and maybe someone coming here for the first time that needs to hear this. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And see, here we go again with um, proving that when you, 
if you're wicked and choose to be wicked, that you will not exist again. He says it right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Perish means um, apolomi in Greek, and it means to destroy fully, to destroy fully, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, most of these ministers don't don't read past John 3, verse 16, because it talks about deeds here. <laughs> verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Oh, okay, well, that's some do deeds. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Hates the light. The light is the Messiah. Neither cometh to the light, that not his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, reproved in Greek means ela inko. It means to admonish, rebuke, correct it. Verse 21, but he that doeth the truth, doeth the truth. Okay, you've got to do the truth. Comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Don't ever tell me that this process toward being able to enter the kingdom of God has nothing to do with obedience. Because it does, folks. That is a tremendous lie. And if you're going to obey, you have to have some laws or some instructions to obey. Don't let anyone deceive you. Read John 3, verse 16 to 21, folks. Read it. If you don't read it, then you're going to have a very difficult time understanding basic biblical doctrine, folks. All right? Here's another one that will prove definitively that you won't exist again if you don't believe in the Son of Man, which means keeping the law of Moses and the law of God. That's how you prove that you believe him. John 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. <laughs> he won't see life. Lewis, life. You know what life is. But the wrath of God abides on him. Abides on him. And he said that he, does not, he that does not believe in the Son shall not see life. Won't exist. If you can't see life, how are you existing? All right, so we have to, again, look at the Scriptures and look at what they say and believe what the Scriptures say. I know there's been a lot of false teaching, folks, a lot of false teaching about death and, and what happens to you after you die. Uh, the greatest man who ever lived outside of Messiah said the following in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, verse 17, rather, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his flower, floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the shaft he will burn with fire. The fire is unquenchable, but he will burn up, burn up those who um, don't want to have 
no inclination to obey him. And that's something that that, that is really clearly revealed here in the scriptures. In verse 9 of, of Luke chapter 3, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which bringeth not good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. It's cast into the fire. And then he, he states in um, in Matthew, I think the same thing he, he talks about here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And he's talking about human beings, folks. So let, let's understand that. And, you know, I'm going to do some further Bible studies to, I hope, clarify this scripturally about what happens to you after you die and whether or not um, he will allow human beings to exist, being tormented and punished forever and ever and ever. Okay, so let's look at the destruction of Babylon and the second coming of Messiah. I didn't even get into my world news uh Today I'll I'll do that next week. Let me just check real quickly. I don't think anything really significant is going on um, in the world right now. Um, Netanyahu, I'm going to uh, go Nick International News World Watch Daily uh, www.watch.org. It says Netanyahu Jewish Israel law vital to counter assault on legitimacy. It says Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu repeated his promise on Sunday to advance a constitutional basic law expressing identifying Israel as a Jewish nation-state. says, U.S. officials, even if Israel doesn't like it, Palestinians will get state. Uh-oh. Okay. Ukraine crisis. Kremlin insists it cannot control pro-Russian separatists and calls for dialogue with West. Ukrainian army launches first major assault against pro-Russian stronghold. Putin warns deadly Ukraine offensive ends final hope of peace okay so that's what's going on um in israel right now or in jerusalem and let me look domestically here real quick the economic collapse website uh you can go with me if you want the economic collapse blog.com uh, he has an interesting headline here. He says, the number of working-age Americans without a job has risen by 27 million since 2000. He says, did you know that there are nearly 102 million working-age Americans that do not have a job right now? And 20% of all families in the United States do not have a single member that is employed. So, and this is interesting, and 20% of all families in the United States do not have a single member. That is employed. So how in the world can the government claim that the unemployment rate has dropped to 6.3%? Well, it all comes down to how you define who is unemployed. For example, last month the government moved another 988,000 Americans into the not in the labor force category. According to the government, at this moment there are 9.75 million Americans that are unemployed, and there are 92.02 million Americans that are not in the labor force for a grand total of 101. 101.77 million working-age Americans that do not have a job. Thousand. 
only 5.48 million Americans were unemployed and only 69.27 million Americans were not in the labor force for a grand total of 74.75 million Americans without a job. That means that the number of working-age Americans without a job has risen by 27 million since the year 2000. Any way that you want to slice it, that is bad news. And I uh, implore you to read the rest uh, of this. Um, he, this guy really has an excellent website about domestic issues, domestic meaning in your country issues. Uh, another headline to this fantastic blog of his, uh, 17 facts to show to anyone that believes that the U.S. economy is just fine. Please read this. Uh, it's, it's, you have to educate yourself. You're not going to get the truth from the elite-controlled media, CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox. Uh, you're not going to get the truth. Um, you're going to get the truth from the Economic Collapse blog. You're going to get the truth from Alex Jones, Infowars.com. Those are the websites you need to be regularly looking at to get the real news. So, this epidemic of hunger, new report says 49 million Americans are dealing with food insecurity. Uh, we're just in a mess, folks. And the only way that we're going to domestically and worldwide get out of this mess is to turn and obey the great God. And if we don't do that, as Jeremiah, uh, scripture just popped in my mind here, Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 7. He says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. Verse 8, If that nation against whom I, I pronounce turn from their evil, I will repent or change of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So that scripture certainly applies to any age, especially this age. And I'm sure that God, and of course I'm hoping too, and any other uh, believer is hoping that that does happen. So anyway, let's turn to Revelation, and I may go a little over today, um, but I sometimes uh, and lead, am led to speak on things that I didn't originally plan to speak about. And, and I love Block Talk Radio. I'm able to talk without being interrupted. <laughs> and it's such an advantage that I'm able to, to talk, and it's, it's a miracle. And, and I'm telling you right now, folks, if, if you really are thirsting for the truth, please listen to this program. The Bible has revealed that there would be teachers like me to believe that. It's in Ephesians 4, verse 11, he said, and he gave some, not all, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And Why? Verse 12 of Ephesians 4, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Messiah. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of statutes and fullness of Christ. And I get people say we're never going to agree. I don't believe that. The Bible doesn't say we're never going to agree. I get tired of hearing that over and over and over again. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and cared about by every wind of doctrine. That's the reason why he's raised up some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, so that we can come in the unity of the faith. And, don't, uh, don't, and so we won't be no more children tossed to and fro and cared about with every wind of doctrine. And, and, and people, people challenge you, no, you don't know all the truth. What did I say? I know all the truth. But I do know enough of it to teach you so that you won't be cared by every wind of doctrine. 
by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth, the Bible says there's some people that do speak the truth. I'm one of them. Prove me wrong. I challenge you. All I'm doing is quoting scriptures. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So he has raised up people to preach the truth, to preach the truth. And then in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, he talks about Levi, okay? And actually chapter 2, rather, chapter 2, verse 4. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, or Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 5, my covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for fear, wherein he feared me and was afraid before my name. Now, uh, in other places in the Bible, it defines Levi as one of his ministers. Truth, one of the things that the tribe of Levi should do is preach the truth. And so this is talking about his ministers. Verse 5, My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for fear, wherein he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth, that's what the law of Moses is, and the law of God is the law of truth, was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips, and he walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. That's what, you know, and it caused those who are the first fruits in in, in, uh, in uh, I should say the apostolic scripture age, not the New Testament, but the apostolic scripture, priests. So priests and ministers should speak the truth. And your Bible says it's possible for a, a, a human being that's not perfect to preach the truth, folks. That's what it says. So what, are you going to believe your own Bible or believe what you want to believe? I mean, that, that's that's the challenge each and every person is to learn how to uh, to uh, learn how to believe your Bible. Believe the Bible. That's one of the most difficult things for people to um, to do. To do. And people are, are so concerned about whether or not the Bible has been tampered with and all that and all the errors of the King James Version has been have been located, folks. And if you use that sword, east, east, that uh, that sword, well, it is the Bible is is your sword, but e sword. Download that program so that you can really do some good Bible study on any topic. Uh, you're going to really increase your capability of understanding the Bible. But in Jeremiah 33 verse 21, it defines the Levites and the priests as his ministers. Okay, Jeremiah 33, verse 21. Then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he sh- should not have a son to reign upon his throne and with the Levites, or the Levites, the priests, my ministers. Okay? That's, whenever you see Levite, it's referring to someone who preaches the words of God. And they preach the truth, as I just showed you. So it is possible it's just so much deception out here. I know people can say, well, it's not possible for people to agree. Yes, it is if you do it through the Holy Spirit and if you're willing to tremble before his word. You have to take his word seriously. If you don't take his word seriously and you let all this teaching from, 
from a man, you read a book and all that, and then you let what the person has written about, you don't check accurately and see whether or not the person is quoting the scripture correctly, then you will be deceived. You you will be deceived. And and you have to do investigations. Isaiah 66, verse 2. For all those things that have my hand made and all those things have been, says the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit and tremblous at my word. I, you know what? I, I just don't, I have to just be realistic. I don't see this attitude uh, too much with people when it comes to the Bible. The opposite is I see a lot is that, is that they don't want to believe what it says and they don't take it seriously. And uh, you have to believe what it says and you have to take it seriously, folks, because if you don't, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, here's the here's rule that uh, I want to emphasize again. It says right here, How long, you simple ones, would you love simplicity and scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So this is one of the first rules of effective Bible study. If, if you see something... Don't say, what well, the scripture can't be saying that. I don't believe what it says. If you start acting like that, pour his spirit out to you to, to make known his words unto you or help you to understand those words. If you start to doubt what you obviously see. All right? And in verse uh, 29, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> They with none of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Okay? If you do that, then you're going to have a very difficult time trying to understand the Bible, folks. And I've tried to explain this to people, and they still get into their little attitude issues and so forth about that. But it's all up to you. you know, I'm just being used to preach the truth to you. That's all that I'm doing. That's all that I ever will do, is uh, preach the truth to you. And, you know, the Bible says the following about your overall attitude about um, keeping the law. I'm trying to find a scripture here. and using e I, e I use Esau each and every week here, by the way, to do this program. Psalm 111, verse 10. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, colon. A good understanding have all they that don't do his commandments? No, that do his commandments. That was added. His praise endure forever. So you got to do something. And, of course, the, it's talking about doing his commandments because that's the whole duty of man. Let's, let's go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. It says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. It doesn't mean some commandments, all his commandments to the best of your ability. For this is the whole duty of man. And why? Why should we do that? Verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. So going around looking at porno or doing some secret thing, secret sin, he's going to judge that, folks. So who you had in front? Or if you're lying, who you hiding from? If you're stealing, who you hiding from? He's going to judge those secret things. 
whether it be good, and I hope for your sake you do secret things that are good, or whether it's evil. And so that's why we better keep these commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Can't get around that. Okay. I have three minutes and 55 seconds left. I'm going to talk about Revelation 18 and 19. Um, I thought that I would need 45 minutes for this program, but that hardly is the case when I when I talk. And um, I just hope that you understand that I, I do the best I can to be honest, and and I want you to get something out of this program. I'm not asking for money. Uh, you'll never hear me pleading for money each and every week on this program. And and uh, if you want to give, that's fine. But you know, I, I I'm really on a mission to just preach the truth. And God is taking care of me financially. And for those who want to give, you know what the scriptures say about that, that you should give to those who are teaching the truth and you should support them. But but I'm not going to, you know, beg and and ask each and every week and remind you and all that. You know, that, that's something that you should be mature enough or to understand. Even the worldly churches... Uh, preach the importance of supporting ministers. All right, so, Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. Talking about the destruction of the geopolitical and religious system of confusion called Babylon. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And I have two minutes and 16 seconds here. I'm going to go off the air and then I'll be in the archives. I would think I would uh, probably be off the air 30 minutes um, or I'll extend the program 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes because I want to cover some very important scriptures here in Revelation 18 and 19. So be patient with me. Verse 2 of Revelation chapter 18, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hope of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication, so my spiritual fornication, with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Okay, so this is talking about a great geopolitical, educational, religious system. And it's going to be destroyed. Going to be destroyed. All right. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Verse 5, For her sins have reached into heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. So we're not going to get in the way with any sin that we commit. Verse 6, Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double, according to her works, and the cup which she has filled to her double. 30 seconds here, 29, 28. I'm going to... Go ahead and uh, tell you to review this program in the archives. And uh, may God bless and keep you. And y'all willing, I'll be available to speak to you next week about Revelation 20 and 20.
21. Shalom. Peace. Okay, we're going to continue on with this Bible study. Revelation 18, verse 7. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she says in her heart, I sit a queen and am no more and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Verse 8 of Revelation chapter 18. Therefore shall her place come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. In verse 9 of Revelation chapter 18, And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke, the smoke of her burning. Standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Verse 11, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. In other words, slaves. Verse 14, <coughs> Revelation 18. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. 18. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of the torment, weeping and wailing, Verse 16, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Verse 17, For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. So this is a seaport, and the largest seaport, one of the largest in the world is New York City, and, you know, Babylon, the Old city of Babylon has that too, and who knows? Uh, Babylon may be rebuilt, but certainly this fits the description of New York City right now. Verse 18, and they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And New York City is a great city right now. Uh, it's the headquarters of the world right now as far as, for, as, far as the United Nations and so forth. Um, Verse 19, and they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had shipped in the sea. There's a seaport. By reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Verse 21 is talking about the system, the geopolitical, religious, and educational false system of this world. Verse 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters and shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. In thee, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be 
heard no more at all in thee, for thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by the, their sorceries, and this means pharmakia, and pharma, this is where the word pharmacy comes from, and that, that can refer to all the medicines of this world, were all nations deceived, and we are deceived by the pharmakia in this world, aren't we? All the drugs that don't seem to help us, that don't help us. Not to say that some don't, but a lot of them don't. Verse 24, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all that was slain upon the earth. All right, so, again, as I was describing last week, this is a part of the wrath of God, which are the seven vials that is interpreted correctly in the Bible, Revelation 16, verse 1, is plainly that, and I, it says right here, and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And there's seven vials. So the seven vials are the wrath of God, and this is a part of the wrath of God when the seven vials thrown out. The destruction of Babylon will occur, and this is a detailed description of the destruction of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, listen to last week's program. All right, Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Now, much people in heaven, uh, that word means multitude. And that's the same word as used for multitude in Revelation chapter 7. So this is a great multitude of people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Verse 2, For true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged a great whore with her fornication and and has avenged the blood of his servants of her hand. So this great multitude is the resurrected uh, firstfruits assembly. That's what's going on here. Verse 3, And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever, or to the ages of the ages. Verse 4, and the 24 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne. No doubt this is heaven right now, folks. Verse 5, and a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And verse 6, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. So you heard the voice of a great multitude. That's the same word that is used for uh, people. And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So this scripture is telling you that the marriage, this is in heaven that's going on here, that uh, the marriage of the Lamb has come, it has arrived, and his wife has made herself ready. So obviously, uh, the announcement of, of the wedding of the Messiah is announced in heaven. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. In verse 9. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So again, in verse 7, it says the marriage of the Lamb has come, or is come. And this is in heaven. Verse 9. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And so he's telling you, Hey, the marriage of the Lamb has come. 
and the location of that marriage, what he said, it, is, in, is in heaven. That's what your scriptures reveal. Verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. And what's the testimony of Jesus? Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is what we want? No. It says, is the spirit of prophecy. Verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. In verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns or diadem, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. In verse 13. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Those are the saints, folks, and the angels. Verse 15, And out of his mouth go a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he threadeth the winepress of the and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16, And he have on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which means he's not going to be the only king and he's not going to be the only master. It's going to be other kings and masters underneath him. Verse 17, that's going to be the first fruits, those who are fortunate enough to rule with him. And I'll talk about that next week. Revelation 19, verse 17, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. And it's not God's uh, throne here, but it's talking about the sky. Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. This isn't a marriage supper. This is another supper. Verse 18, That you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Verse 19, And I saw the beasts, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast, and them that worship his image. These were both cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So they were tossed in a lake of fire. Verse 21, And the remaining were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So it's not a pretty sight, but when he comes back, he's going to destroy the wicked. That's what the Bible indicates. Um, when you look at the following scripture here, in Isaiah, after, I think it's chapter 66, and let me quote here, yeah, Isaiah 66, verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire, and with his chariots like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. Verse 16, For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. So he's going to come with fire, folks, and he's going to annihilate people that will not obey him. Plain and simple as that. And I leave you with this, and we'll pick up next week, Luke chapter 13. 
And are you going to believe these words or believe what you want to believe? That's that's the issue. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told of him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Luke 13, verse 2. And Jesus answered, answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. In verse 3 of Luke chapter 13. I tell you, nay... But except you repent or change, you shall all likewise perish. Perish, the Greek again means Apollo me. It means to destroy fully. Verse 4, are those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Verse 5, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Please ponder that scripture and think about it seriously and y'all willing i'll be available to speak to you next week shalom peace malachi chapter four for behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud yea and all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.